Hey guys, Caitlin here, and welcome to episode five of Eudaimonia. We are back. I have been taking weeks off at a time to find that work-life balance between having a job that I care about and that I'm still learning a lot about, and also having outlets like this and playing my ukulele and going for walks and finding the best brewery around. So thank you for bearing with the multiple weeks in between each episode, but I'm super excited that we are back today. So in order to fill everyone in, last episode I interviewed Katie North, a good friend of mine from high school, and Katie is a teacher for Tiny Humans. So Katie lives out in Denver, Colorado, and she really turns to yoga and meditation to self-center. And what I loved about our conversation was not only did she talk about how yoga was so important and meditation was so important to refueling herself and refilling her cup and also using it as an an emotional regulation tool for her students, um, she also shared her raw honesty that she actually became too attached to her outlets and that led to a little bit of toxicity. So um, I think we're all guilty of this, myself included. And um, I think that it's so great to have these healthy outlets, but it's very important to be mindful that healthy outlets can quickly become unhealthy if we're not aware of it. And so what I loved about Katie and I's conversation is she mentioned that, you know, I love meditating and she uses this app. She actually uses multiple apps, but this specific app is called Headspace and I've actually used it myself before. But with Headspace, it logs how many days in a row you meditate, which is so cool because, you know, it it gives you a measure of how you're doing. But what she noticed with herself was she became almost overly competitive with keeping up with her meditation streak that it became disruptive to her life. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been there and I've been there with running. I used to train for half marathons and um, 25Ks, it's 15 and a half mile races. And it's good when you're training for something like that, you need to stick to your training guide. But after that, if you're not like doing strict training for anything, you're just turning to things to have a healthy outlet. I think it's important to realize, okay, am I doing this because I enjoy it right now? Or am I doing this because now I'm getting competitive with myself and I feel like I have to. And I want you guys, the audience, the listeners, all y'all, I want you to think about your outlets and is there that line you're aware of where it does become unhealthy? Because I think while there are so many beautiful, healthy outlets in life, like running and yoga and meditation and reading, sometimes we as humans are competitive with ourselves. And uh, it can turn bad really quickly. So what I really loved about Katie and I's conversation was not only did she talk about how she loves yoga and meditation and how she uses it within her classroom and how she uses it to self-regulate, but she also identified the fact that if she's not careful, that could become dangerous really quickly to her well-being 
if she's not mindful of where it becomes too much. So Katie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing the benefits of yoga and meditation. Um, I think we all could use a deep breath (laughs) for real. My watch tells me every day, it says, Caitlin, breathe. But I think we could all use that. But thank you also for being so human and so raw and just stating the fact that, hey, you know, it got a little out of hand at a certain time. And um, because of that, you purposely decided not to meditate one day just to break that streak and just to find more of a normal, healthy balance with your outlets. So I think that is so cool. So thanks for sharing that. Okay, onward we go. Uh, Guys, (laughs) I just ate the most delicious uh, Mexican food takeout and I feel like I am just so happy and so full right now. (laughs) Uh, So what have I been up to other than uh, eating delicious Mexican takeout? Hmm. All right, I'll keep you updated. Um, So I'm actually really excited. This past month, I was able to pay off one of my credit cards. Um, So for those of you who were unaware of my current status with my finances, um, I went to a graduate program where the final year of grad school, you were not allowed to work for pay. You had to basically work for free. So I worked at a variety of places doing occupational therapy field work. And that's just how the cookie crumbles. They don't pay you. So I had all of the savings prepared for that time in my life. And um, naturally, the savings ran low. And I had to start using my credit card a lot more. And that sucks. <laughs> no one likes to just keep racking up the, um, the credit that you owe back. That it just It's not a good feeling at all. So that's where I was at especially over uh, COVID quarantine. It's like, okay, well, I don't have income. Uh, Thank God for unemployment for that little bit of time. But um, yeah, my credit card, two of them, they were looking really, really, really ugly. And I paid one off fully and it felt so good. So I'm really thankful for that. I've come up with a financial plan for myself so I can continue to build my credit. And I'm also thankful to... uh, have people in my court who just know how to handle credit. My dad, my brother, I've got friends who are just really knowledgeable about finances. So thank you guys for all of your help. Um, Work has become a little bit easier this past month. It really depends month to month if work is going well or not because uh, my happiness, um, and it shouldn't be this way, but I'm a human, my happiness tends to depend on the people around me And if I have really um, cranky patients, which, you know, listen, I would be cranky too, but if I have like really cranky patients, um, it's hard. It really wears you down after a while when you see one cranky patient after the other. But this past month, I feel like we've got, um, we've received a, a ton of admissions who are just really nice, sweet patients and I'm like oh my gosh like I feel alive again this is so good um because while while work is you know generally good overall I've been having some really tough days with work um just based off of uh the energy around me so I feel like there's some good energy coming in some really sweet people I feel like I have some patients I can kind of joke around with and build rapport with and I, I was telling my friends Claire and Dana, I'm like, I feel like a therapist again because I feel like I have enough energy to um, 
be more therapeutic, you know, and, and I have the energy to um, build better rapport. So that's been encouraging to me. And I know it should not rely on our senses, but if I'm being completely honest, that's just how I felt. I felt very exhausted and overwhelmed um, just from the past month or two. And now I feel like things are getting a little bit easier. So that's cool. Um, during those tougher days and even recently, I have been turning to self-care 101 per usual. Um, I'm a big advocate for treat yourself. So I've been getting all the pampering I can find. I've been getting my nails done. I've been um, calling up my friends to see if they want to come with me. I've been getting my hair done by Kaylee. She is amazing. And then also... Um, I recently found Erica, who is a massage therapist, and she works, I, I can't remember, I think it's Melrose or Malden, I will put that in the, the bio, but she is amazing, and she owns the place called Easy Ease Massage, and uh, feel free to find her on Instagram, she is incredible, she's been practicing for 11 years, and she finally just opened her own business, which is so courageous because that would be scary for me to even think of right now but good for her and um, her studio is super cute and she's amazing so check her out so treat yourself for days um, and finally the last update I have is I have decided um, going forward I finally want to have a place of my own and I'm super excited just to uh, start apartment hunting I looked at two apartments in Southie. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up because my uh, tentative move date is a lot later than what people want right now. Um, so people are typically looking for immediate move-ins at the moment. I'm looking for like maybe a July or August move-in. And um, I've been going to a couple open houses and putting in applications to different places that I love. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So I'm hoping that I can find a place soon. Fingers crossed. Um, I still have lots of time, but that's what's been going on. And I am just really thrilled. So um, who is our guest for today? Who is it? So this guest today is a really funny person, in my opinion. At least that's the memory I have of her. Um, we played soccer together when we were really young. So I believe, and when she comes on, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we both played on Greater Toledo Football Club, so GTFC, and that is a soccer club, obviously, in Toledo. And we were probably in seventh grade. I want to say sixth and seventh grade. And we were on the soccer team together. And I just remember so vividly that uh, she was probably the funniest person on the team. And that's why we got along so well. And I also remember we got in trouble together a lot because we were always distracted. So without further ado, I am so excited and honored to introduce a registered dietitian, Laura Asbury. Let's bring her on. Hey. Hey, it is so good to see you. I know. I was just telling our listeners how we played soccer together in seventh grade. And yes. I think I said sixth and seventh, but I think it was actually seventh and eighth. We played for Greater Toledo Football Club. And um, those were the days. I miss those days so much. Honestly, I'm still trying to play soccer now. 
and my body's like, maybe we won't do that anymore. Maybe, so. maybe not today. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> how, how is your agility lately? I mean, I feel um, like I just trip over my feet nowadays, and I'm not as fast as I used to be, but I still have fun trying. Yeah, um, it's trash, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. I actually rolled my ankle, not even playing soccer, just running. I oh, just no. rolled it the other week. And so I'm like, cool, I'm getting to that point where I just roll my ankle when I'm, like, walking, not even playing soccer. So I'm still trying to, like, keep up with my endurance and stuff, but do it just more for fun and physical activity. Well, you better be careful or I'm going to have to admit you into my skilled nursing facility. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes, I know. Uh, I can't remember. What position did you play in soccer? Um, I played outside mid, and I don't think I ever touched the ball. I just, like, ran up and down the field because I was, like, really good at running. So, I think I played outside defense, too, for a little bit. I think that's why we were such good friends, because those were my two positions. Yep, yep. And we were all, we were both, like, all the time, just crazy. (laughs) We, no, we really were. I I remember one practice. Okay, so, I don't know if you remember Mike Aubrey. We had two Mike coaches. Mike Aubrey was, like, Kind of like, the, was he like the head of the league? Yeah. He's like yeah. the, the head honcho. And, um, you know, he's kind of the intimidating guy who, I think he like, he coached the other team, but like would sometimes help out with our team. Yes. And I remember he looked at me and he's like, Caitlin, why are you so sluggish today? <laughs> and I look at him and in all seriousness, I say, Mike, I had ice cream today. <laughs> And I had, I had Cold Stone. And the reason I find that funny is to this day, I will still order Cold Stone to my house. Like, I'll, I'll do, like, Grubhub or Uber Eats, and I'll still have them drop off Cold Stone to my house. And whenever I eat Cold Stone, I'm like, remember when Mike was so mad at me for eating ice cream before a soccer practice? That was, like, the ultimate sin. Heck, yeah. I think he, like, low-key hated us, too, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I think we just were easily distracted and I also think we played to have fun which a lot of people in that league didn't exactly even to this day I am not a competitive person I don't think I've ever been I'm just like yeah I'm here for the good time kind of thing and right so much pressure on it it's crazy I agree and I think it's because I hate losing or being bad so much that I've made that conscious decision to not put that pressure on myself because I know how I am. I get so hard on myself and so down on myself. So I think if I have the mentality of I'm just doing this for myself and I'm just doing this to have fun, if I can remind myself of that, it becomes a a lot more enjoyable. Exactly, yeah. Who cares what the other people think, right? But we were out there like picking dandelions in the grass. (laughs) (laughs) How did we make the team? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, gosh. So, okay. This is so funny. So, for our listeners, Laura and I, like, creepily message each other on Instagram all the time. Um, And, you know, we were really, really tight in seventh grade, but um, it's more so we were both doing our own thing. So, this is actually really good to see you and to catch up. Um, I want to know... what your story is because you know you're a registered dietitian and I follow your Instagram page and I just 
I'm such a fangirl of it. Whenever Laura posts anything on her registered dietitian page, I'm like, yes, that's so cool. Um, and so I kind of want to know what your journey was with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can certainly go kind of, kind of deep into that, but, um, I think it kind of stems back to high school and maybe even when we, when we played soccer too, I think I would have been a better soccer player if I would have eaten appropriately instead of just pounding down three bowls of cereal in the morning and that was it. I feel like I was always that girl who never packed snacks, never had water, which is quite the opposite of who I am today. Um, so I really became interested in nutrition. I think kind of back into high school, I played soccer still, and we had a dietitian come and, and talk to us about nutrition and stuff, and I was like, oh, wow, like, this is actually really important, and I'm sitting here eating goldfish before a game, and while that is a great pre-workout snack, <laughs> I was not eating enough. Like, I was pretty thin, probably because I was, like, 15 years old, but also because I just, like, could not eat enough food. Right. So I really think my journey as a registered dietitian started there. In high school, such a tough time, too, because you really, I mean, you have your, your health classes. They're like, here's the food pyramid, which nowadays is like, is that legit? I don't know. Um, well, I'll let you dive into that at, yeah. at your leisure. Um, but, you know, we have this basic awareness of this food's good, this food's bad. But for me, I remember in our health class in high school, we were supposed to log all of our food for a day. And um, thinking about what, or this might have even been in middle school, middle school or high school, we had to log all of our food that we ate. And mind you, the school cafeteria options at that time um, may not have been the healthiest um, or even like high enough in protein or things that would keep you full for the entire day. So I just remember writing down things in my log like Pop-Tarts, French fries, bagel with cream cheese and Cheetos on top. Like all these things that I'm like, okay. And then it got to a point where like, not only was I eating this food that really wasn't fueling me properly as a growing teenager, but now because I'm writing it down and I don't even know like anything about what a healthy relationship with food is. Now I'm like, all food is bad. And I don't know about you, Laura, but it was in high school more so. I, I wouldn't say I had like a severe problem with this, but um, I was I was counting calories as like a young kid because that's what our parents' generation was taught to do. Like, oh, count your calories. And I remember, um, you know, just asking a people around me, you know, adults, family members who, you know, they were still learning too, but just being like, hey, how many calories does this have? And what happened was when I asked that, it was actually my mom's friend who was, um, she was a kick, not a kickboxing instructor. It's called Turbo Kick. It's kind of like uh, a cardio dance class with uh, kickboxing moves in it. And she also taught spinning. And, um, she overheard me ask my mom, well, hey, I want a smoothie from Panera. How many calories does it have? As like a 15-year-old. And um, this woman, her name's Amanda. She's amazing. And she's like, 
what? <laughs> are you asking, like, why are you asking this? You're a 15 year old girl. And like, why are you obsessing over calories right now? You should be just moving your body a little bit and like fueling properly, which is everything you do. Um, and that's the moment. Thank God for her saying that. Cause it really stuck with me and she probably doesn't realize it, but I, I could have gone down a very severe eating disorder path. Had I not heard that from her because I looked at her, I'm like, well, she exercises and she's fit, but she's uh, like fueling properly and she's not um, starving herself. And I'm like, okay, like that. So that's when I became to have um, or began to have a a little bit healthier relationship with food. And then it it wasn't even until recently where I'm I'm still learning and I'll I'll probably still have many questions for you where it's like, you know, what does it mean to properly fuel and like, what do we need to do? Um, So I'm still building that healthy relationship with that. But high school was such a tough time. Yeah, I don't, for some reason, I never got into that in high school. It was more college for me, but a lot of my clients who I talk to right now, it's it's that high school age, because especially with social media these days, I mean, just taking an audit of who you're following, um, I think is a really, really important thing to do, because these kids are following these influencers or people who, you know, have abs and they're like, okay, so what are they eating and how are they exercising? And they're learning that from them. And in high school, our brains are still developing. Mm-hmm. And we think that that's the right thing to do. And in hindsight, it's it's really not. And it's interesting that you bring up, you know, learning from your parents and things like that, because that's a huge factor too. Um, that's one question that I ask my clients all the time is, you know, how was your parents' relationship with food? Because if you grow up seeing your parents dieting all of the time, you're like 10 times more likely to be on a diet in high school. Mm. And when the focus of high school should really be like friendships and school and like just enjoying your body and moving your body appropriately, where it's sometimes turning into how can I manipulate my body to look like her or look like him? Um, and it's really unfortunate sometimes because it's just not a healthy relationship with food at all. And that's kind of, like you said, where people go down these paths of eating disorders or disordered eating, unfortunately. So, yeah. It yes. does high school. And I do think what I do appreciate about um, – how things have changed from that point is I think a lot of the issue was the media in general, and that will always be an issue. But with uh, different companies and stores like Airy featuring like more normalized bodies, um, you have some influencers on Instagram now who really speak to um, the truth of what bodies actually look like and not the photoshopped version um i think her name's dana mercer she's an influencer um where she just talks about how like hey all of these people on instagram this is how they pose to make it look like a certain way but and she'll do the pose and look a certain way and then she'll like relax and she's like and this is real life baby like and i love that because i think we need to see more of that on instagram specifically Um, obviously no one's going to go on Instagram and take all of the, um, quote unquote, not so flattering pictures of themselves. You're going to get like the, the best MySpace angle (laughs) you can, you can find. The highlight reel. Oh my gosh. 
But no, you, you make a good point is whatever you're surrounded with. And by no means am I targeting my parents or family like, oh, they, they were terrible. Like, no, like they're, they're learning too. And they're continuing to learn and I'm continuing to learn. But um, I think it stems from, too, um, the educators. Like, who is educating people on how to have that healthy relationship with food? Because I think in that time, and thanks to people like you, it's different, hopefully now. um, But there just wasn't the education of what does a healthy relationship look like? It doesn't have to be zero to a hundred it can be right in that sweet spot and so individualized and I think that's the key is being individualized to your lifestyle but I will let you continue to talk because I just want to know everything you have to say yeah that's a great segue so I was just thinking about you know when we were talking about social media and and things like that I think another important factor is other people's comments um and taking audit of what we're saying to other people too, because if you're commenting on other people's bodies, like you don't really know what's going on inside their head. You could say something that might not be offensive to you. And then that could send them to change their eating habits or be more self-conscious, unfortunately. Um, and I think that's kind of where my nutrition journey started was in high school. Like I said, I was, I was pretty thin, but I think it was because it was just genetics. I was playing a lot of sports and probably just not feeling my body appropriately. Um, but I specifically remember thinking back on it and I don't think it really bothered me at the time, but it bothers me more now. So is that people would always call me like the skinny friend and they're like, Oh, you're so skinny. Or like, you know, we would do a pyramid and I was always at the top and I'm just like, oh, okay. And one of my friends recently told me that skinny and like being thin is not a personality trait. And that like, I heard that literally like three weeks ago and I was like, oh my God, wait, you're totally right. It's not a personality trait and people treat it like it is. Um, so I feel like growing up and going into college, I kind of had that like audacity to me of like, wow, you know, I'm thin and like, I can eat whatever I want kind of thing. And people were always commenting on what I was eating. Like, how could you eat all of that macaroni and cheese and still be that thin? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) You know, so that kind of sparked me to be more interested in nutrition. So when I college, majored in nutrition, um, and really started to learn about calories and things like that, that I didn't really learn about in high school. Um, and in hindsight, if, if I would have fueled my body appropriately in high school, I probably could have went on to play soccer in college. Um, so that's like the frustrating part of where I'm at right now is like, dang, I know all these things. I probably... I probably could have played soccer, but you know, everything happens for a reason. I know. I wish we had all of your intelligence when we were in seventh grade. Like bring, bring a 27 year old Laura back to seventh grade so we can, (laughs) we can all be the best athletes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. And like I said, I'm so opposite of what I used to be. I used to be the girl who never brought snacks. I never had water. I was constantly thirsty. I remember coming home from soccer practices in high school and chugging like a gallon of milk because I was that thirsty. (laughs) And now I'm quite the opposite. I think about food all of the time, but in the best way of like, how can I feel my body appropriately? Like, I'm going to go work out. What should I eat before I work out kind of thing? Right. So for those of you that don't know, um, 
I've primarily focused my nutrition and being a dietitian on sports. Um, because of this reason, I grew up playing sports. Um, in college, I really got interested in sports nutrition and how it can affect um, performance and, and things like that. So um, wanted to major in something that I could, you know, look into and, and, and think back on, on on my high school days too. So I feel like in, in college, I had a pretty good relationship with food. Um, and that's kind of the premise of what I'm talking about here is um, my relationship with food because it's never been a great thing. It was at some point and then it got a little rocky and, mm. and now I feel like I'm in a really good place. But in undergrad, I, you know, lived my typical undergrad life of going out and friendship and eating whatever I wanted because I had the metabolism and, you know, those kind of things. Um, probably gained a little weight, didn't really care during the year, but then I would come home every summer back to Toledo and was like, oh my gosh, I've gained weight, I feel gross, and I would do kind of drastic things to lose the weight. And not like drastic, I guess maybe drastic is the wrong word. I just really wanted to like focus on being healthier. But there were certain aspects of it where I was not like, I was being a little out of bounds. Like, I remember this one specific time where my mom was cooking me chicken and she put butter on it. And I literally had a mental breakdown about it. I was like, Mom, how could you put butter on this chicken? And she's like, Laura. Will you calm down? Like, what is going on? Oh, and no. Like, oh, my God. Butter makes you fat. But, but, like, I think I'm sobbing at this point. Oh. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Like, chill out. And I just had so, my mindset was so focused on, like, how can I be the healthiest version of me? Which, mm. in hindsight, is good. But I was a little, like, too healthy. And maybe we can all relate to that in some way where, you know, we have our end of the spectrum where we're really, really unhealthy, and then the other end, like, way too healthy kind of thing. And that's interesting you say that because with Katie, my last person on the show, she talked about that with meditation. Like, meditation in itself and yoga, they're both healthy practices. But when you don't draw a boundary and you don't draw a line that makes it safe, then it can become very toxic very quickly. And I think that's with anything. That could be with journaling. Like if you're becoming so obsessed with journaling, like you can't do anything else. I have to journal. Like it's like, that's great. I'm glad you're journaling. That's really good for your mental health. But like uh, you've got other things on your plate to balance. And I think as soon as your healthy lifestyle um, starts to make you spiral, that's time to check yourself. So I think, yeah, you're right. We all, we've all been there in one way or another. So you're not alone in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's this all or nothing mentality, honestly. And I mm. talk about it with a lot of people, honestly. And kind of like you said, it can be in different realms of our life. It doesn't necessarily have to be with nutrition. Obviously with my clients, I'm talking about nutrition and some people try to be the healthiest version of them, but it's it's going too far. And it's like you're risking all of these other aspects of your life just to be healthy in nutrition. But in reality, you're not having this balance. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is a struggle because, um, like, for me, I was trying to be so healthy. And in hindsight, I guess I didn't really realize this in the moment, but I was 
putting stress on my relationships. Like, my mom was probably like, what the heck, Laura? Like, this is stressful. Now I have to, like, cook a whole other meal for you. Or there were certain times where I wanted to be healthy and my friends wanted to go out and get pizza. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And I, I missed that moment with my friends just because I was so focused on being healthy. So there definitely has to be a good balance there. Right. And then on the contrary, like, you don't want to just, like, eat all junk all the time because that'll put a strain on your relationships in other ways too but um yeah you prove a great point of is this straining relationships because that's what I found for myself with running people would invite me to come over let's have a wine night and watch The Bachelor and I'm like oh I can't I have to go running and I love running don't get me wrong but the point it becomes not okay is when my whole life is running. And I honestly haven't ran in a a long time. I've been spinning a lot lately, and um, that's been mainly my jam. For a long time, I was kickbox instructing. I I have some outlet with physical activity one way or another, but um, I'm very mindful nowadays to make sure that's not my entire life because it has been before, and the biggest point, of this mini topic that we're talking about, you don't want it to strain your relationships. You don't. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so much more to life than food or exercise. And while being healthy is a great motivator, it's not the only thing that you have in life. And I really teach and preach, uh, my clients is 80-20. So 80% healthy, good foods that are nourishing to your body, but 20% let's go get a beer and let's eat ice cream. <laughs> As I'm drinking a harpoon beer. Yes. Um, yeah, oh, it's, it's so important. It's so good. Hashtag balance. Hashtag balance. That is so right. Now, tell me, um, I loved this. When I was lurking on your Instagram page, <laughs> I saw um, you had this really informative post, and it was talking about the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. Can you elaborate to our listeners what that difference really is? Yeah, heck yeah. So if you talk to any dietitian, they probably get pretty hyped about this conversation <laughs> um, because there is a huge difference between nutritionists and dietitians. So essentially, nutritionists can be anyone. You don't have to have a degree. Anyone can call it your yourself a nutritionist so Caitlin you are a nutritionist yes <laughs> now, I'm a nutritionist as well um, but I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist so the biggest difference is that dietitians have to have the schooling and the credentials and everything like that so we have to do a four-year accredited program in undergrad so you have to go to a school with a dietetics program um, so finish that then you have to do a 1,200-hour internship where you're not getting paid. It's like slave labor. I was <laughs> just talking about that on the intro, Laura. Once you listen yes. to this whole episode, you got to listen to the beginning. It's tough. No pay. Yeah. It sucks. I've been there. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so I moved back in with my parents, and I was like, here I am. Let's do my internship. So we have to do clinical rotations, food service, Um, and community rotations as well so 1200 hours of an internship it's about a year long so a year without income basically and then you have to sit for your board exam so we have to take our registered dietitian exam 
studied for two months. It was like my full time job. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, as you know, it's board exams are super fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then actually by 2024, so in three years, which is crazy, dietitians are required to have a master's degree. So I would be grandfathered in if I didn't have a master's degree, but I do. Um, but it's setting that standard of, okay, now dietitians have to have a master's degree. So mm. earning a little bit more respect there. And then we also have to have continuing education credits. So we have to keep up with um, continuing education and logging those hours and stuff. So we're not just not just a one and done thing. You know, I'm sure, as you know, we have to do a lot of things in the field. So lots of things go into being a dietitian and I think dietitians get really mad when I don't think all dietitians get mad when we get called nutritionists because technically we are but I don't think there's that awareness of people knowing what's the difference like I put in all this work in school to be called a registered dietitian give me my props and um along with that with the CEUs I I totally get that the continuing education because, um, and this is within the field of occupational therapy as well, research continues to change. That's the fact of it. So you could get anyone who isn't required to keep up on their education with that. Um, and they might, they might be preaching the truth from 2012. And maybe they're perseverating on that. And they're like, no, this is what I learned this year in 2012. But um, it is now 2021. And we are finding more and more um, data, which is great. We're having more studies, which is fantastic. Um, But with that, I don't know about your field, but the field of occupational therapy changes all the time. So the fact that you have to have um, the credentials to be a registered dietitian, it makes sense because it requires you to stay current in the research. It requires you to stay current with um, the findings of today. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And nutrition, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but nutrition is a science. It's, you know, I took chemistry, I took biology, I took OCHEM, I took a lot of science classes in undergrad. Um, so it really is a science, and people sometimes think that nutrition is more of an anecdotal thing. Like, you go and talk to your friend, and they tell you what they did with their nutrition or diet or whatever, and you think that you have to copy that, and that's so very wrong because nutrition is so individualized, Mm. and staying up on that research is very, very important. It so is, and I like that you say that it's a science because I think people do need to be reminded that it's not, it shouldn't be this fad thing. It shouldn't be this trend of like, oh, this is the new cool thing to do. So let's all do it and ruin our mental health and our bodies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The dieting industry is a huge and it's, it's very toxic. And there's always going to be a new diet where you're not going to fit the standard. Mm. So you're going to try to shrink yourself to be within that diet or look a certain way. And then the new diet's going to come and you're going to be like, well, shoot, I finally got to this place with keto and now 
the carnivore diet is really popular. Like, I can't sustain both of them. So you're always going to fail, unfortunately. So dieting is a big no-no for me. Yeah, I I really don't even like to use that word. Like, if I'm eating healthy, people are like, oh, like – what diet are you on? I'm like, honey, this is a lifestyle. Like, you're going to see me, like, today at lunch, you're going to see me eat the salad and then eat a piece of cake after because this is a lifestyle. I am not um, sticking within, like, strict guidelines. And mind you, like, some people, like, they have the guidelines that help them bring back to, like, a healthy, balanced lifestyle. But I think that's the key. Like, when it's balanced, I don't think of it as this, like, strict, regimented thing you know but but you could probably speak on that way more than I could but um I just remember um you know I'm not gonna throw any company name or business under the bus here but I just remember working in the fitness industry and I loved it I loved the company I loved who I worked for um but the the company itself was promoting this um challenge where they would encourage people to work out with us and then they would also send them this packet And I believe it was a nutritionist who created the packet, which could be me, which scares the hell out of me. Like, I don't know squat about what you do, Laura. Like, registered dietitian, that's like way over my head. So the fact that someone came up, this nutritionist, and you know, they they probably know a thing or two, Um, And they could be really qualified, but we don't know that for sure. And they came out with this packet to give people that's not individualized to the person. And um, I remember I was looking at the packet. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this because if I work here, like, I should promote, like, what we're doing. I'll I'll do the workouts and then I'll, I'll try to follow this guideline of eating Going zero to 100 like that of like, I'm going to eat whatever I want to this strict um, regimented rule book, it really wasn't good for me. And you know what? I'm really glad that I could look at that. And before I even started, I looked at it and I'm like, nope, (laughs) it's not realistic for me. It's not. And, And for some people, they need that guidance. But the fact, this is the thing. I asked someone, I won't say who, I asked someone, I said, where is this coming from? Like, wh- like I want to, I like, I want to see the research. I'm sorry, that's that's the nerd in me. Where is the evidence based practice? Like, I need to see the research, and there was none. Oh, but it's from a, a nutritionist. Oh, that's when I was like feeling really kind of sick to my stomach to promote it, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it. I refused to sell it. I, I said I don't feel comfortable selling this. I think a lot of the people who we're trying this challenge. We're spiraling into an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, and I, I just can't support that. So yeah, the fitness industry, we really have to be careful. Um, and I have to be careful too. Like I, I was working in a, at a different fitness company and I was promoting other like nutritional products. And I don't know what the heck I was promoting. So it, it's just, it's, it's, all, it's all about the money. It's all about marketing. It's not good. So basically what I'm saying to my listeners is it's okay to um, get help, but try to get help from someone like Laura, who is a registered dietitian and can personalize um, your eating in relationship with food to your life and what you do and how much you exercise or 
or um, how much you move around, you know, and just all of those factors because it all adds up. And that's something, Laura, that I'm not trying to tell you what you do because I still, I only know a fraction of what you do, but um, I would never trust anyone besides a registered dietitian to guide me down that path. Yeah, I totally appreciate that. And there's a small percentage of people who realize that because kind of like I said with the background of becoming a dietitian, we really are the nutrition experts. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, you are the nutrition expert of you. Like, you know what's going to work best for you, but I can help provide you the tools to get you there to mm-hmm. a place that you want to be with your relationship with food or if you have body composition goals, you know, whatever that looks like. And the nutrition information out there is so confusing and people are so confused and that's the problem with these quick fixes for example when you were working at that company and it's like hey here's this packet do this meal plan it's a quick fix and people are gonna be like oh yeah this is definitely what I need let's buy into it and it's not individualized and likely they're probably telling you to eat 1200 calories and then that's what a toddler should be eating <laughs> oh no one should be eating 1200 calories oh my gosh um unless you're a child so and that's what where people kind of go down these spirals and like I said before nutrition is really not an anecdotal thing it's a science and just because something worked for someone doesn't mean that they could put that on paper and sell it to you mm-hmm. and you're gonna buy it and expect it to work for you because nine times out of ten you're probably gonna be disappointed unfortunately and in my own practice I really don't tell my clients what to eat and that's kind of what people expect when they come see me they're like hey just tell me what to eat like (laughs) all these bad things like you know I know I'm eating cookies and ice cream just yell at me for it and I'm like no I am so glad that you're eating cookies and ice cream but maybe let's not eat it for breakfast on dinner but I'm never gonna tell you exactly what to eat because like I said you know what's best for you And if I told you, you know, printed out this cookie cutter meal plan for you and was like, hey, Caitlin, I want you to have a smoothie for breakfast. I want you to eat chicken, rice, and broccoli for lunch and dinner, and that's it. You're going to hate me. Like, you're absolutely going to hate me. Well, it's like, how am I supposed to know that I'm going to crave that for dinner? Like, what if I want, what if I want something different? What if I want Indian food or pizza? Like, I think that's the other thing, too, is having that good relationship with food and some people do have meal plans where it has this but you should have options and freedom and autonomy to choose what you're in the mood for at that time that's like that's like the whole fun of eating is getting to pick it out like oh today I'm gonna switch it up yeah I will say there's certain people out there who are like just tell me what to eat and they don't really find enjoyment in food and that's kind of an anomaly honestly Mm. but when so my whole nutrition practice and being a dietitian and talking with clients my instagram name is mindful fueling because i'm a big mindful eater because i had been in a place where i was tracking calories and the number and my fitness pal was telling me what to eat right mm-hmm. i would log it in there it would spit me out a number it would tell me how many grams of carbs and protein and fat i need to be eating but it really wasn't taking into account what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And I explain this to my clients a lot, and I'm finding that a lot of people don't trust themselves. They don't trust their, that their body is going to tell them exactly what it needs, and they don't trust that, oh, 
you're telling me that I can eat whatever I want, so I'm going to go eat pizza. Well, I'm going to go freaking ham on the pizza, and I'm going to be super, super unhealthy. And it's like, no, if you really take mindfulness and mindful eating approaches, you're going to eat what makes you feel good. And sometimes that's pizza, and that's ice cream. And because (laughs) there's so much more to just feeding our physical hunger, sometimes we have to feed our emotional hunger too. And the more that we cut certain foods out of our diet, like if I told you not to ever eat pizza again, all you're going to think about is pizza because you really want it, right? So the more that we cut things out of our diet, the more that we fixate on them. And that's kind of where the spiral of an unhealthy relationship with food begins, to be honest. Absolutely. And I, I like that you say that because... I, I that's exactly me. If you tell me, Caitlin, you can't have those fudge brownies over there, I'm like, give me five of them. <laughs> so, um, what I have this is kind of how I got into healthier eating because I used to be the person who would um eat until I'm wildly uncomfortable, which is kind of what I feel like I might have done tonight, um, on accident. But um, typically I I I typically am more mindful when I eat, but um. What I've learned is there's like a psychological twist you can put on it to make it more positive instead of negative. And for me, what that was is, okay, Caitlin, I'm going to try to get a certain amount of servings of fruits and vegetables and proteins in my diet today. But like beside, like after I accomplish that, I can eat whatever I want. And I think that's important because what I did was I, in you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Laura, but this is what I thought was okay for me was I was like, I am not getting enough greens. I'm not getting enough um, vitamin C. I'm not getting enough of those, um, all of those leafy things you would find in nature. And um, I'm certainly not getting enough protein. So what I made a goal for myself each day was, Make those things a priority to get them in your diet, but like after you prioritize getting those in your diet at some point today, then dude, if you're still hungry and you want that like cookie, go for it. Like don't think about what I can't have. Think about what do I need to get into my diet today? And then, you know, whatever else comes along and I want it, cool. Oh my gosh, yes. You're literally speaking my language right now. Woo! <laughs> I tell this to my clients all the time, and um, I think it's so important. Like we were just talking about cutting things out of our diet, we're going to fixate on them more. So let's take that focus and focus on what can, what healthy things can we add to our diet? Are we getting five servings of fruits and vegetables per day? Okay, we're not? Okay, let's add those in. And likely if you're eating five fruits and vegetables a day combined... Um, your, most of your meals are healthy. That 80% is healthy foods coming into your diet. And so you totally can have the cookie at the end of the night or have a beer and enjoy your life because the more that we diet and diets are always going to tell us to cut things out. If you think of any diet out there, it's always going to tell you to cut things out. Keto, cut carbs out. Paleo, cut out beans. Like that's just what it is. So the more that we can focus on what can we add to your diet to make it healthier, I think that's a really, really healthy mindset. I love that so much. And I, I do think it, it's it's all psychological, right? Like if you're telling someone you can, you're trying to get all these things, but you can have that freedom. People are like, oh, I have freedom. This is cool. So yeah, I want to eat these healthy things because I know I still have freedom. 
I don't feel like I'm enslaved to this meal plan. So I I, I appreciate everything you do with that. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, of course, yeah. And it's so common, and maybe the listeners out there can relate to this, because I know at some point I was in this cycle, of this binge-restrict cycle. So um, during the week, you're really, really, really quote-unquote good, and then on the weekend, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm craving pizza and ice cream and cookies, and we're going to go ham on all that stuff. And then Monday comes back around, and it's like, oh no, I really messed up this weekend, so then we restart the restrict cycle, and it's the constant cycle of good during the week, unhealthy on the weekends, and it's like, if we can just live by that 80% healthy foods, 20% fun foods every single day of our life, it's going to be a lot healthier mindset than that constant cycle of restricting ourselves or putting rules on ourselves that we can't eat past 7 p.m. or we're never allowed to eat cookies again because that's just taxing on our mental health too. Welcome to the gray area. I love the gray area. People usually like the black and white of I'm being good, I'm being bad. But the gray area, that 80-20, it's, it's so cool because you're still probably seeing um, and feeling the health benefits that you want to feel and the energy you want to feel. But um, you're happy. You get to do what you want and you get to... Um, Enjoy life without damaging any relationships based around your poor relationship with food. And um, so I guess here's my question. What if there's a listener out there who they're struggling with this? They're like, man, I really, I do need some guidance from a registered dietitian because I just feel like I can't get into the groove of that 80-20. I feel like I I need that support. Um, How would someone find a dietitian? Google.com. But it, are, are dietitians covered by any insurance? Yeah, so I work for a company called Nutrition in Motion, and I think we have like 50 or 60 dietitians all over the country. So, um, and we all cover insurance. Not okay. all the insurances, but pretty much all the big carriers. So, a lot of people don't know this, but if you call your insurance company and ask about your nutrition services coverage, Nine times out of ten, you have nutrition services coverage, and you just don't know it. And people don't know that, and that's why I wanted you to come on today, because it's like, there's so much, like, I'm in the healthcare field, and there's so much, I'm like, wait, that's covered? I have insurance for that? What? Exactly. People think you just go to your doctor, and your doctor will tell you how to eat, but um, call your insurance and ask them about it, and then ask them your coverage, and then maybe they can even help you find a dietitian that are in-network. I've had people call Blue Cross Blue Shield in Colorado, and then that's how they found me is through their insurance. So not all dietitians cover through insurance. I will say it's more of like a private practice thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of dietitians out there are, I mean, there's lots of different fields that dietitians can be in, but a lot of them are clinical. Um, Some work in like food service and schools and things like that but there are private practice dietitians but if anyone's looking for a dietitian a you can always reach out to me and b look up nutrition in motion because we are in a lot of states like i know massachusetts we have like 10 dietitians oh okay it's it's likely going to be covered and 
a lot of times people don't even have a copay. It's like completely free. Wow. So if someone wanted to go to you, um, would they need a referral or would they reach straight out to you? Uh, it depends on their insurance, to be okay. honest. Yeah, kind of depends. So should they ask their doctor and go from there or? It mm, depends if the doctor has a dietitian that they refer to. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That depends. It's okay. kind of a, it's like that gray area where people don't know that dietitians exist or that you can actually see a dietitian through insurance. So I think it's still making that awareness out there. How do your clients find you? Honestly, a lot of my clients find me through Nutrition Emotion website. So I think they Google. Uh, performance nutrition or dietitian Colorado, and then they find me on healthprofessionals.com, health profs, I think it's called. Okay. I think most of my clients honestly come from there, and then I've only lived in Denver for about six months, but it's starting to become like a word of mouth thing. Um, and do, and do they message you? Do they just message you and say, hey, I'm interested in working with you, and then you set it up from there? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. I mean, if someone finds me on Instagram, literally just DM me, send me an email, go to the like link tree in my bio, fill out a request form. I don't even care. Just get in contact with me somehow, and I'll reach out to you. Um, but if people find me through Nutrition and Motion's website or online, you just have to fill out an appointment request form and request me, and I get those to my email um, every so often. So, yeah, and then I reach out, we set up an appointment, we get your nutritionist check, and all is dandy. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Sorry, I had so many questions because that is something that you know, being an occupational therapist, I feel like I'm in my bubble and I should be well aware of other healthcare um, professions and I want to learn more about them. And as soon as I saw your Instagram and how active you were in your field, I was like, oh, I need to talk to Laura. This is going to be a a great conversation. So I'm really (laughs) thankful to have this. Okay, me too. Is there anything else you want to touch on? eating, trusting my body and trusting myself, I can have 
the quart size thing of ice cream in my freezer and not even think about it. And, you know, a couple times a week, I might go in and, you know, last night I was laying in bed with a spoonful of ice cream, to be honest. Yes. Which I'm not mad about, but I can do it without feeling guilty and stuff. So that's like one of my biggest messages to my Instagram community, but also everyone else is you don't have to be in this cycle of being restricted or feeling guilty about food. Like food is so much more than that. Life is so much more than worrying about, you know, did I eat healthy today? Did I not? You know, of course I want you to eat healthy. I'm a dietitian. I want you to eat your fruits and vegetables and be the healthiest version of you. But for goodness sake, just eat the ice cream. (laughs) That's the best thing I could have heard from you, Laura, because I, I have a big thing of mint chocolate chip ice cream in my freezer that my roommates laugh at me because I eat that a little bit every night before bed, but um, it is that control of, I'm going to have some, but I don't need to eat the whole thing. Right. And life is good. <laughs> All about balance. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share some insight because, like I said, I have just been seeing such positivity radiate from your Instagram, and I'm like, I'm so happy she's my friend, because you really are positive to the community, and I think especially uh, with Instagram and the media being kind of deceptive, we need a reminder of what it means to have that healthy relationship with food and that healthy relationship with our bodies, so um I think that you are just radiating positivity for all people in that aspect that we need to remember. We are human beings who need to properly fuel and we need to love ourselves. And every little photoshopped Instagram post is not reality. That's that's fake. And your body is real and your soul is real. And we need to focus on not skinny being a personality trait. We need to focus on, um, you know, who you are as a person and what makes you feel properly fueled and good about yourself. So yeah, I totally agree. And thanks for your kind words. You're so sweet. Um, yeah, I, I totally think everyone should take an Instagram audit. I tell everyone to do this and I do it myself. It's like, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you're following some fitfluencer who you followed for years and you sometimes look at their stuff but they kind of make you feel icky or you're comparing yourself to these people just unfollow them to be honest you're not even going to notice it I've unfollowed so many people and I think back like a couple months later and I'm like oh yeah I totally forgot like I was like I even looked at their stuff at some point in time so I think that's a really important thing and it's it's clearing that mental space to focus more on yourself and positivity and not comparing yourself to others, I think is really important. Such a great tip. I love that. Thanks for uh, giving that tip to our listeners as well, because I'm sure a lot of people could use that. So um, why don't you plug your Instagram handle so people can find you? Ah, yes. It's Mindful Fueling Nutrition. So Mindful Fueling Nutrition. No spaces, no nuts. No spaces. Um, I'll make sure to add that to the description of this podcast too, so that way you listeners can find Laura, and if you have any questions about nutrition, she is your go-to registered dietitian. Yes, appreciate you. Yes. Okay, well, I appreciate your time, and uh, I guess we'll say goodbye. So sad. Um, But thank you so much for um, chatting, Laura. It was so good to see you. 
Yeah, you too, Caitlin. Thank you so much. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. <laughs> Bye.